Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Andrea Smith is pretty computer savvy. I won an award for computer programming in eighth grade. Okay, really computer savvy. I like to be told, this is the raw data, this is the end product I need you to produce, do it any way you want, and then just leave me alone. She grew up in Queens, New York, but moved to rural South Carolina 20 years ago. She has long gray hair that she usually pulls back into a ponytail. She has epilepsy and doesn't drive. She's been a stay-home mom since her son was born. He's 19 now. He's the kind of kid who, you know, if he sees somebody struggling, he'll help them, he'll hold doors for people. As long as he knows that he's doing the right thing, he's absolutely prepared to, he's absolutely prepared to raise all kinds of holy hell, and I love that about him. In the early 2000s, when he was still a toddler, she spent some of her free time puttering around on the internet, trying to reconnect with folks back home. This was pre-Facebook. She learned that one of her old friends had a child with a diagnosis she'd never heard of, SMA, or spinal muscular atrophy. Andrea looked it up. Babies born with the most severe form of SMA never sit up or feed themselves, and usually die by their second birthday. It was something I just could not stop thinking about. I'm sitting here with a 14-month-old, and I'm looking at my son. Tears came to my eyes, and I was just, like, overwhelmed with emotion, thinking, my goodness, what does this? In January of 2004, she sent a message to a support group for SMA and offered to volunteer. I've got some free time. I don't have money. I, I can't send you cash, but I'm available to help you with whatever you need. 
She helped with their newsletter and organized conferences. She became their insurance bulldog, fighting on behalf of families denied claims. Not long after she started volunteering, in 2006, a new person popped into the parent chat group. She introduced herself as Connie DeLashmet, mom to Drake. Drake had SMA. She discussed his treatment plan. She sent pictures of him. And then another woman joined the group named Megan, who was mom to Brooke. There was a small subgroup of moms that sort of had this little side chat going. And they started noticing things that made them uneasy about Connie. Small inconsistencies about the things that Connie was saying about Drake and his treatment, things that didn't make sense. And then at some point, somebody said, well, I don't, you know, Megan doesn't really sound right either. And because they came into the chat at approximately the same time, there was like this, there was this weirdness around the both of them. Both Connie and Megan used the same turns of phrase, and both were misspelling the same words in the same way, like tomorrow with an A in the middle instead of an O. Andrea and some of the other moms decided to become amateur detectives. Five or six of us that were sort of the little, the little Scooby, our little Scooby-Doo adventure group. She was Velma. We were convinced that Connie and Megan were both frauds and they were the same person. So I have a friend who is a uh, computer whiz, and I wrote to him and said, is there any way to tell if two different emails are being generated by the same computer? And he said, yes, absolutely. You need to look and see what the IP address is. And he explained to me how to expand the headers on the email and look for the what they refer to as the originating internet protocol address. Andrea was on it. It didn't take her long to realize that both Connie and Megan had the same IP address. Their emails came from the same computer. And the electronic breadcrumbs led her to a woman named Sarah, Sarah DeLashmet, whose mother happens to be named Connie. Remember, 2006 was when Sarah was at the beginning of her friendship with Aaron Johnson in California, when she pretended to have a sister named Gabby. Gabby, who had SMA. Make-believe Gabby died in January of 2006. Three months later, the supposed Connie DeLashmet joined the SMA parent group. After she got caught, Sarah was kicked out. Andrea might have let the whole thing go had her Scooby-Doo group not made one more discovery. Sarah had worked her way into a separate SMA nonprofit, this time pretending she herself had the condition. There's a charity out there called Cole's Quilts that makes these beautiful handmade quilts for children with SMA or families of deceased children with SMA. And you have to apply for the quilt. You have to send some kind of proof of your diagnosis. In the SMA community, Cole's quilts are hallowed ground. Sarah had duped the charity and gotten one. We were outraged at the violation of one of our most sacred groups. Cole's quilt makers ask just one thing in return for their labor, that you send a photo of you and your quilt they can post on their website. Sarah did. In the picture, she's lying on her bed, just her arms and head peeking out from under the quilt. 
Her hands are bent down at the wrists, back toward her body, like someone who doesn't have a lot of muscle control, something you see in pictures of people who actually have SMA. She used her real name because a lot of times people will stitch the child's name onto the quilt and she didn't want somebody else's name on her quilt. When Andrea saw the photo... That's when we were like, enough with this girl. We need to do something about her. We need to get that quilt back. Something to know about Andrea. She's not exactly a timid person. She once fought off a would-be rapist at knife point. She campaigned door-to-door for Bernie Sanders in the reddest neighborhoods of South Carolina. She regularly takes insurance companies to the woodshed. When she vowed to get the quilt back, she was getting the quilt back. I had her address, I had her phone number, I had a picture of her house, thank you Google Maps, I knew everything about this girl. She was ready to go get it herself. Instead, she called the FBI. The agent didn't seem that interested, just a quilt, you know, but said she could call back. So Andrea did, every week, to the point that the agent seemed to be getting a little annoyed. My voice was catching. I was, I had tears in my eyes when I said it, and I said, well, you did say I can call whenever I wanted, so, you know, I'm sorry I will not bother you again. Shortly afterward, she got a message from a local police officer in Highland, Illinois, Sarah's hometown. He had heard from the FBI. The officer brought Sarah into the station. He got the quilt and sent it back. Nobody filed charges. The value of the theft seemed small, and local police thought that she was just a bored and lonely college student who didn't realize the seriousness of her actions. Andrea had grown up watching cop shows. I was sort of raised on Hill Street Blues and, and Barney Miller and NYPD Blue. She knew there needed to be a record. Do something wrong and your name needs to be in a file somewhere. And that documentation about the stolen quilt would sit buried in the Highland PD, largely forgotten. Until the day, 15 years later, in a courtroom, when it would come back into Sarah's life. I'm Laura Beale. You're listening to Sympathy Pains. This is episode four, Andrea. After Sarah surfaced in the SMA group, after the officer returned the quilt, she tried to slip back into the organization again. That was enough for Andrea to fear that she would never go away. She began tracking Sarah year after year as she moved around the internet. I have a spreadsheet with all of her known aliases. One of her posts goes back to 2001, when Sarah was in high school writing on a chat board that she was the mother of two children with muscular dystrophy. Andrea found that Sarah would assume whatever identity matched the group she was trying to slip into. If it was a cancer group, she had acute lymphocytic leukemia. If it was a breast cancer group, she had breast cancer. She became an experienced chameleon. If it was a group where they were talking about fertility issues, then she was wondering about people's experiences with Clomid. If it was a group where there were moms of multiples, she was expecting quintuplets. If it was uh, talking about muscular dystrophy, then she had SMA. There was actually a post on a costume board where she was looking for costumes to look pregnant. As Andrea silently followed Sarah from afar, she warned as many nonprofits as she could. I said, watch out for this girl. She's a problem. 
she is a scam artist. By 2019, Sarah had been juggling multiple cons in multiple places. Liz and Bethany didn't know Sarah's long history. They were more concerned about where she might go in the future. They tried to think of a solution that would go beyond trying to warn charities one by one. Here's Liz. And I recognized that she was really sick. And this is a very serious scenario that mental health is an illness. They not only wanted to expose her, they wanted her to get treatment. Dr. Phil seemed a way to do both. Liz sent an email to the Dr. Phil producers. I asked her to read some of it. She contacted me sometimes 100 times a day, needing someone to listen or help with a panic attack. She called after treatment to share how sick she was or how she needed to be rushed to the hospital again for a blood transfusion. It seemed whenever I informed Sarah I had plans with a friend or work commitment scheduled, she needed me, to which, of course, I complied every time. Please help us get Sarah the help she needs, prevent her from hurting others and defrauding worthy charities, and the closure we need from this unfortunate event. Days later, Liz and Brian were at the gym when the phone rang. It was a producer from the show. And I said, can we call you back in about 10 minutes? Let me get my wife, and and we would definitely like to, to talk to you, so... The ball started, it started rolling Friday morning. By Friday afternoon, they made the decision that yes, we want to do this and we are going to try to get Sarah to participate. Sarah's family was willing to help convince her. Sitting at home that evening, Liz and Brian thought, what are we doing? Not a month earlier, they'd been taking Sarah out for a ride in their boat. She'd been in their hammock looking at the stars. And now, they were catching a Monday morning flight to Los Angeles for a confrontation on national television. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. It was March 25th, 2019. That day, they told their stories on tape for the show's producers. The next day, Brian and I had to go for a walk in the canyon to kind of get our head clear and like dial down some of the nerves and feelings and emotion. And on that day, we found out later that Sarah and her mother went to the Santa Monica Pier like tourists, took all kinds of pictures, and had a really great day. Bethany had also flown in. We knew Bethany was staying at the same hotel, and we said, hey, why don't we, why don't we meet before we get on the show and talk? So we did. We all met in the hot tub. One of those giant ones at a hotel that maybe 20 people could be in. Liz and Brian got there first and soon saw a petite brunette making her way across the pool deck. She was carrying a six-pack of beer, and that actually made me feel good. I think that we were, we were relieved to see that she was, you know, calm and she seemed kind. It's like we found a kindred soul. So it actually really felt good to find someone who had been in a similar situation So she had gone beyond all the shock and horror and betrayal feelings that I was feeling and was just angry. She was about to get even angrier. After a few days of filming their story and hanging out in L.A., Brian, Liz, and Bethany were backstage at Dr. Phil. Perhaps a hundred people that are just either moving racks of clothes or carrying recording equipment. It's, it's really busy, really busy. They knew Sarah was somewhere in the building, but they didn't know where. She and her mom had stayed in a different hotel. The show staff took pains to make sure that they didn't accidentally bump into her. After hair and makeup, they waited in the green room. We could hear the other show they were taping. I guess they taped two in the same day. I could hear them screaming in the room next to us. Liz worried about what Dr. Phil might say to her. She's like, is he going to judge me? Is he going to, you know, turn this story somehow or it's my fault? I was terrified that he was going to lambaste me publicly on stage and somehow make me an enabler. Liz was on the verge of backing out. Even the producers knew that I was a basket case. And, and Bethany was not. She was really composed. And that, that brought me a level of calm that I really needed. She's like, this is okay. She's like, you're going to be okay. Just tell your story. With Bethany's help, Liz got a hold of herself. At this point, what outcome are you hoping for with this whole thing? I wanted her to get mental health treatment. And so this was to help her? This was absolutely to help her. And it was almost concerning for the producers. And up till about 30 seconds before we went on the show... They were coaching me. They were like, remember how, remember how mad she made you? It's like they were taking a hot poker and sticking it to my side before they released me on the stage because they knew I was just sad and I felt bad. 
I remember one of the producers trying to kind of hype me up for it. I said, you know, I, I don't mean to be offensive or disrespectful or anything. This is not something that I want to do. I'm not here for myself. I'm not here, you know, to get any sort of accolade or anything. I think that's the only thing that got me on that stage was thinking about how she had just violated all of those women. They heard the introduction to their stories, segments from the tape that they had filmed on Monday, and then the booming voice of Dr. Phil. He's like, now we have, you know, Brian, Liz, and Bethany. And then the curtain opens up and we just walk down the aisle to the stage. He shakes your hand and introduces himself. And it's the first time you meet him and you, you, you take your seat. Brian held my hand. I know I was shaking. I was probably white as a ghost. We wanted to play a little of the audio from this, but couldn't work things out with the show. Anyway, here's how things went down. After their introduction, Liz and Brian walked out first. They took their seats on stage in oversized wooden bar chairs, so high that their feet couldn't touch the ground. Liz was wearing a dark blue dress that she'd bought a few days before. Then Bethany joined and told her story. The stage lights, their own bright little suns, bore down on them. They felt the curious stares of the audience. It felt like... An out-of-body experience, you know, being there on that stage, looking at this television personality you see every once in a while, hearing his voice and, you know, seeing cameras all around you. This was three years in the making of me to have a one-hour window to get some sort of closure if that was the goal or to to tell my story if that was the goal or to expose her, you know, just, it, it felt very surreal. They methodically recounted their experiences with a giant Sarah slideshow behind them. Sarah in her wig and scarf, Sarah in her wheelchair, Sarah smiling, gripping the handlebars of her bike. We were all sitting side by side with each other. It was me and then Brian and then Bethany. And I was in the chair that was empty across from me. It was very obvious that it was going to be Sarah. Dr. Phil said uh, you know, to Bethany, well, no, you've never seen Sarah walk. And she said, you know, that's, that's correct. She was always in a wheelchair. And then Liz, you, you've only seen, you know, you've never seen Sarah with hair. And of course we had not. So, you know, there was something to the effect of, well, you know, we're going to see her for the first time or something. He said, are you ready to see her? And then I said, I don't even know who the real Sarah is. He looked at one side of the room. A door opened, and there she stood in a burgundy sweater, black slacks, and gold earrings, her dark hair sleekly styled. If we had had and happened to pass her on the street while we were in California, we would not have known who she was. We would not have recognized her. Absolutely not. For a split second, like, I kind of looked at Brian thinking, like, one of us is going to say this isn't her, right? But I was kind of waiting for that validation from Brian and Liz. Absolutely soulless expression, and I will never forget that. Absolutely soulless. Slowly, staring straight ahead, she marched toward the stage, toward the one empty chair on the set, her arms barely swinging. There's a a long pathway. Um, If you've ever seen the show, you can usually see they kind of use this pathway where they open a door and somebody comes out, you know, kind of in between the crowd. And you could have heard a pin drop in that whole place for about 30 seconds. Not a single sound as she took the 10 seconds to walk to the chair. She had the stage makeup on, but it, it still just didn't look like her. Her eyes were black. 
What I remember most about her were her eyes. They were honestly just black. It was like she didn't have a color to her eyes, and she looked right through me, as if there was honestly nothing behind it. Her brow did not move at all. Her eyelids were heavy, and she just stared right at me. And I'm just looking in her, into her eyes, like trying to find some of the Sarah that I knew. I'm looking at her, just in absolute disbelief, like, who are you? Sarah scooted into her seat. Her eyes darted around like she wasn't sure where to look. I was a surprise to her that she came with the understanding knowing that Brian and Liz were going to be there, but she didn't know I was going to be there. Dr. Phil kind of, I guess, went on his, his way. He said, I believe you know these people. And she said, I do. And he said, do you have anything to say to them? And that's when she said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I've done. And it didn't mean to hurt I you. I didn't mean to hurt you. She kind of just looked like, had this very kind of pathetic, sad puppy face, I guess, and just tried to offer an apology saying she didn't mean to hurt anyone. As soon as she started in with her apology, I jumped in and cut her off because I just thought, That's, this is not real. This is not a real apology. This is not how this is going to go. You know, Dr. Phil was very quick to point out that that's not a real apology. There's not any empathy behind that statement. I said, Sarah, you don't understand. You ruined our life. That was the first thing I said to her. With a stony expression, Sarah turned to Dr. Phil. Throughout the show, she'd respond, offering wandering explanations for what she'd done. She talked about the mental fortitude necessary to keep all her stories straight. It was a very strange way that she phrased it. It was something about playing hockey and wanting to hit the puck, but not being able to. And it wasn't really too clear exactly what she was saying, but I, I think the meaning behind that is she would be in scenarios in situations where she wants to be able to say something, but she can't because she's been lying about who she is. I think one of the things that Dr. Phil was trying to get at with that was how proud she was about all of the lies. And he led her down this, this road on the stage that I don't think she realized she was getting led to. And that's when he went to a clip showing her being interviewed in which she's smiling, talking about them. In that clip, she said she didn't tell her first big lie until she was 25 years old. She said that was the first time she lied about having cancer, which would have been news to her college friends. And she is kind of smiling. Back on stage at Dr. Phil. There was one time in particular that Sarah said that I've decided uh, something to the effect of decided to tell the truth now. And I responded to her, when did that happen? And I didn't mean it to be a joke or funny, but the audience, you know, laughed at that. The truth has only come out to us for a couple of days. Bethany looked straight at Sarah, steely-eyed. She wouldn't make eye contact with me unless I was speaking directly to her and almost had to kind of force her to look at me, and even then I could tell she was looking beyond me. I remember one of the uh, claims that, that Sarah made was you know, that she had a hard time making friends. And Bethany was very quick to say, well, that's not true. 
because, you know, they became friends quickly. As he walked around the set, Dr. Phil looked at Sarah and asked her if she realized when she was lying and was unable to stop it. He framed it as an irresistible impulse versus an impulse not resisted. She said she couldn't stop it, that she feels an urge to lie, and it just takes over. An irresistible impulse. So, Dr. Phil answered, you have no ability to choose right and wrong. You are a total sociopath. No, I I think, I don't know, she stammered. She did know right from wrong. So, he said, it is a choice and not an irresistible impulse. Yeah, she said quietly. He said she lacked empathy for others, that she didn't realize how much she had broken people like Liz and Bethany. Toward the end, they cut to one last commercial break. I remember when when it came back, he said, I'm going to tell you what I think you need, not what I think you deserve. I've lined up a treatment facility for you. I think that you need to, to get some help. The intensive inpatient care he'd lined up was in Calabasas, a tony Los Angeles suburb. The facility was on tranquil, wooded grounds that looked like a luxury resort. He said he considered it the best care in the country, but added, they do not mess around. The show was done. The cameras shut off. Brian, Liz, and Bethany were ushered off in one direction and Sarah in the other. The show pays for her treatment. And, you know, she readily agreed. And I believe that she left immediately from the show to go there. I do remember walking off the stage, you know, with Lizzie, and and there were a lot of the audience members that I did make eye contact with. And there were, there were some tears I could see in, in eyes and also um, kind of uh, that those gestures of, you know, like, we're, we're really sorry this happened to you. Did you go to, like, the nearest bar and order a martini after that? Yes, that's exactly what we did. And I remember that conversation just feeling like we had one little moment of success with this, that, you know, we could all fly home, feel good about what we were able to say, feel good about Dr. Phil's responses and how it was going to be. So for her to actually leave set, grab her suitcase, and go straight to treatment in Southern California was a big deal. We all sat and... We really just exhaled because at that point, we thought we had taken care of the problem. We thought we, we accomplished what we had, you know, come to do. But that feeling of accomplishment was about to be shattered. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. 
Millions of people have made the switch to Nick Sleek Proof Underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine washable, and great looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks. Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The show aired in April 2019. Shortly afterward, Andrea Smith was at home in South Carolina, sitting at her computer, scrolling through Facebook. She saw that she'd been tagged in a post by someone she knew from her work with SMA. I said, hey, doesn't this sound like our old friend Sarah? And it was a link to the Dr. Phil show. And as soon as she came on the screen, I said, holy crap, that's her. The show hadn't revealed anyone's last names, but Andrea had no doubt. She immediately dived into the comments section. And I started writing and said, everybody, beware Sarah Delashment, this woman. I started writing the story in, in, in the comments. And as soon as I wrote that, the minute I hit send, Liz Hickox responded to me. And then Bethany Turner responded to me, saying, you know Sarah? Like, what happened? She said, I've been tracking her for 20 years. And then we really started piecing together a lot of the details where Andrea was talking about family members she had talked to and how she had the FBI involved back in 2006. It wasn't just Camp Summit or breast cancer charities. The common thread I found was that she always infiltrated groups of women and that it was always in a place where you would never, you would never walk into like, a breast cancer conference, for example. You would never walk into a camp for adults with disabilities. You would never walk into certain scenarios and feel like you need to question anyone. The most striking thing about the Dr. Phil episode for me was the the section where they were talking just to her, like in the green room, I guess it was, not when she was on stage, where she was discussing her activities. And the look in her eye when she's talking about it and she's almost glowing. She's talking about it like it's her life's work. When I visited Andrea, we sat down at her computer and she walked me through her Sarah Google Drive, which, by the way, is named Fuck Sarah. This is all Sarah. This is all Sarah stuff. This is everything here is Sarah. This is all Sarah. All of this, all of this. 
all of this. All wow. Of this. So these are pictures and posts and... And full web pages that I downloaded. This is just a terrifying amount of stuff. You would still Google her every now and then. Oh yeah, I'm not an idiot. I knew she was still out there. Given her long history with Sarah, I thought Andrea might know the answer to a question I'd been asking myself for a while. The question on everyone's mind, really. Who is Sarah? I don't even think she knows. Sarah makes herself up as she goes along. Sarah is an empty shell. Sarah, I, I don't know what happened to her. She showed me the picture of Sarah with her Coles quilt. Green quilt with a Care Bears theme, Care Bears and Frogs. That's what she wanted. There's a profile on CaringBridge, a site for people with illnesses to share their stories. She created a post for her pretend son, Drake, the one from the SMA support group. When Drake was born in November of 2002, I thought I had the perfect... Although Drake surprised us by coming five weeks early, he scored nine at one minute. From the get-go, Drake was an easygoing, happy, and In May of 2003, I noticed Drake wasn't standing up or sitting like most kids... On another website, it wasn't enough for Drake to be gravely ill. He was kidnapped, too. And it says, Sarah, how is Drake after the kidnapping? And then if you go down a little bit, you'll see here where she says, he's fine... It's not as serious as it first sounded when they called me. About a kidnapping. About a kidnapping, yeah. The posts on a cancer board when Sarah was in college. Hi, everyone. My name is Sarah, and I was diagnosed with ALL. That's acute lymphocytic leukemia. Two months ago, I was just looking for other teens that have gone or going through a similar thing. I would love to hear about how this is affecting On this tour through her Google Drive, Andrea stops on one other photo. This is supposedly Gabby. Gabby, who Aaron Johnson believed was Sarah's real sister. But it's not Gabby, it's this girl. Andrea pulls up a picture of a blonde girl in a red sweater, smiling for the camera. Sarah Schwagel, who was the MDA Goodwill ambassador for like 2001. So she stole a picture of somebody with spinal muscular atrophy and used it and claimed this was her sister. Sarah Schwagel was from the St. Louis area, near Sarah's hometown. Off and on, there were photos of her in the newspaper. After the Dr. Phil episode aired, her victims watched one by one in disbelief. Aaron had known for almost three years that Sarah wasn't disabled, that she didn't have multiple children or a sister named Gabby. But she had held on to the hope that no matter how twisted everything else was, Sarah's affection was real. But then it was the Dr. Phil show that made me sit up and go, okay, there was no love in my friendship with her. On her side, she was just a very, very good actress. It was the first time in years that I was able to actually see her eyes when she talked about all this and explained all this to people, and she did it so nonchalantly. After Dr. Phil, this story might have ended right here, with Sarah getting the psychiatric care she needed. But even he seemed to doubt whether that would happen. On the show, Sarah said she was ready to change her life. He shrugged. We'll see about that. A few days after the show was over, Liz was talking to Sarah's aunt. At the time, they were still friendly. 
And she said, well, she's coming home for Easter, so I guess we'll see her then. I said, what do you mean she's coming home? Sarah was already planning to leave treatment, and the show hadn't even aired yet. This was a turning point for Liz. She'd been willing to bear her humiliation in front of a national television audience as a way to get Sarah the help she needed. Help Sarah said she wanted, and it had all been for nothing. And at that point, I was just furious because, again, she either had checked herself out or she was kicked out. And either way, at that point, I said, I'm done now. I'm done being compassionate, and now I'm pissed off. And that's when I turned the corner and said, no, I'm not done with this yet. I'm not letting this go. It became an obsession because she, she, in my mind, she got me one more time. She managed to defraud me, deceive me, betray me, but she still managed to win me over one more time and still get some compassion from me. And that's when I said, no, I'm no, I can't. This is no, I'm done with this. There's something you should know about Liz. She's a native New Yorker who worked in the Lower Manhattan Financial District and lost friends and colleagues on 9-11. She discovered her father at home dead of a heart attack when he was only 51 years old. The first man she intended to marry, an America's Cup racer, was killed in a sailing accident. So if she seems enraged that someone would fake their impending death, it's because her life has known far too much real loss. On May 3rd, 2019, Bethany, Liz, and Andrea formed a group chat. If Sarah wasn't going to stop, neither were they. Liz told Andrea, we're very interested in pursuing any avenue possible. She's checked herself out of the facility and is already back in action with a local cancer charity. The next day, they got together on a call. Andrea told them the story of the quilt and that she'd been in touch with the Highland Police in 2006, and now she was ready to call the cops again. They all were. At the Highland Police Department, Detective David Brines was the one on the other end of that phone. And what's going through your mind when you're hearing this? Kind of thinking, this is lady's a pretty good actor at this point, and kind of also thinking that if she, if she is pulling off all these, I guess, elaborate ruses like she is, what's what's running through this lady's head? What's, you know, what's her motivation? Why would you do all this? But he had a problem. She had done something probably morally wrong, but probably not criminally wrong at that point. Until the day he learned that she had committed actual crimes, starting with stolen racing bikes. At that point, we had a federal crime. And they started the process of learning more about who Sarah really was. I want to say we executed the search warrant between 7 and 7.30 in the morning. And so we were there, I mean, roughly four to five hours. That's coming up on Sympathy Pains. Sympathy Pains is a production of Neon Hum Media and iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Laura Beal. I wrote and reported the episodes. Natalie Rin is the lead producer. Our editor is Catherine St. Louis. Associate producer is Rufaro Mazarura. Our executive producer is Jonathan Hirsch. Samantha Allison is our production manager. Fact checker is Jacqueline Coletti. 
Jesse Perlstein composed the theme song and music heard throughout the series. Additional tracks are by Blue Dot Sessions and Epidemic Sound. Scott Somerville is our engineer and sound designer. Special thanks to Stephanie Serrano. From iHeartRadio, special thanks to Carrie Lieberman and Beth Ann Macaluso. Executive producer at iHeartRadio is Dylan Fagan. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.